Welcome to The Mentor List. To seek support and you need to allow yourself to be supported. Really have a point of difference. What is precious, what's really important and then putting some boundaries there. The Mentor List specialises in interviews with top business minds. Gather their advice for your career. This is The Mentor List. Hi, welcome to today's show. Today we have Stephen Worrell, the CEO of Microsoft Australia joining us. Steve's come down from Sydney and we're lucky enough to be recording here in Melbourne out of Rubik's. Steve is responsible for Microsoft's overall business here in Australia. He ensures the company meets the needs of its customers and more than 11,000 partners and independent software vendors that sell or build on the Microsoft platforms. Really great example of aligning personal purpose with what you do. Stephen talks openly and honestly about what he does to keep himself deliberate, mindful, present, and don't forget running one of the most successful companies here in Australia. So I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Stephen Worrell. Hi everyone, joining us today is Steve Worrell, the CEO of Microsoft Australia. We've taken over the Rubik's offices here in Melbourne CBD. The sun's come out, we've got the lights on, we're filming a video today as well. Um, so really happy to have you on the show today, Stephen. It's a great pleasure to be here in sunny Melbourne. Yeah, I know. Well, we don't have the pleasure of calling it sunny Melbourne very often. Well, um, isn't it once a day with the other three seasons as well? <laughs> yeah, well so. That's right. No, I think it is. No, it's always sunny. That's no, actually, you probably hear too much for me. To, um, no one's going to believe that, even if you try to pull that one off. <laughs> so it's great to have you in. Yeah, thanks again for uh, being so open to share your experience. I mean, I can't think of many bigger businesses that you could be a CEO of here in Australia. So I guess starting with the end and calling that out, like, I mean, there must be so many individuals that would love to be in your shoes. Mm, yeah. So it'd be good to sort of get your view of what it's like to be in your shoes yeah. and you know, how you've gotten there. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I, I'm the luckiest guy in the industry for sure, right, because it is such a privilege to be in this position leading such a wonderful company in Australia. I think more than anything else, it's it's just a great moment to be in our industry because technology is having such a big yeah. impact on just about every part of the world uh, and life as we know it, but also to be inside an organisation that I think in the last few years in particular has rediscovered its purpose and its mission. Yeah. And part of what's happened at Microsoft over the last five years, I think, is very much about reconnecting with what we are really all about because I think there was a period there where we lost sight of that. Right. Okay. So would you classify yourself as a sales professional? Like... I think that's I mean, it's how I started, So, but I wouldn't today. No, yep. I've always had a focus through my career on being a sort of a generalist. Yep. And while I've spent a lot of time in sales roles, and every role I suppose in a way is a sales role, business is more complex today than it has ever been. Certainly our industry has evolved a long way over the last five years, 10 years in particular. Much more emphasis on this consumption model that we see in place every yep. large IT firm. You know, the evolution of the cloud and these new technologies, much of it is about how you actually help clients get outcomes and how they implement that technology and how they succeed. So I'm as much uh, involved in those conversations in change management and helping organizations to think through the practical implications of using technology as I am in terms of helping them to select what, you know, the right platform might be. Yeah. So when we're talking about clients, I mean, how much of your role would be sort of, you know, outward focus where you're working? That was quite surprised to hear. Okay, well, I mean, if I was putting in a cloud implementation, we've got the CEO coming in, I'm like, my God. (laughs) So how much of your sort of role, you know, as as the CEO, are you out 
would focused and on site with clients or, or things like that? A lot, about 40% of my time, wow. I, I would estimate, in terms of uh, external engagement. Yep. Uh, in fact, with my team, I, I often talk about this idea of eyes out of the boat, which is a, a term that, you know, if you're involved in any sort of sailing, you'll, you'll appreciate. It's all about keeping your yep. eyes out of, of the boat in terms of what's happening around you, weather, tide, all those sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, and in a business context, I think that's vital because that's how you really connect yourself with the people that you exist to serve. So there's no business that isn't in business to help others yeah. and to help customers, but it's what you do and how you spend your time that ultimately defines how successful you are. And so I spend a lot of time with my team, of course, and building the organization and the capabilities, yeah. but a big chunk of time is helping our clients get the outcomes that they uh, expect to get from us. Yeah, fantastic. And you mentioned sort of, maybe sort of growing up in sales, for, for want of a better word. Yep. Often come across people that have gone through the sales, what would you call it, through a sales career path, have sort of found themselves in sales, not that it's not by choice, but it's sort of, it wasn't a planned move. Mm-hmm. Was that the, sort of your experience? or I think, I mean, um, there's a lot of sales roles in yep. IT industry, like a lot of other industries for that matter, but certainly in IT, there's lots of them. And so the majority of roles are either in customer service or sales type functions. And that, you know, as a result, attracts uh, the talent into those, those functions inside a business. Yep. But I, I think, as I say, the industry has evolved, which is a good thing, right, from yep. the old model to this new model of consumption and the cloud and delivering capability like utilities. So, you know, just as we turn the light switch on and, and we have an electricity supply or we turn the tap on and we have a water supply, yep. IT and technology is being provided in a similar delivery mechanism today. And that means that the industry has to evolve and how we engage with our clients has to evolve. And so less focus is on the sales side and more focus is on, not surprisingly, what are you trying to achieve and why would you want to use my service and how can I best advise you in the use of yep. that service? Because yeah. the other thought that's really important here is that model defines the fact that if you don't have a happy customer every single day, they can turn your service off and go and use someone else's. And I think that's been a really good development in the IT industry because it's bringing us back to what really matters, which is delivering outcomes for our customers every single day. Yeah, fantastic. So previously before Microsoft, you were at IBM. Yeah. IBM's known to be a, a fantastic breeding ground of amazing talent. What was your sort of experience? I know you sort of spent nine odd years in various different roles. And again, I don't know if I'm picking up a flavor, but again, a very American business that originated in America. And obviously, two global superpowers, for want of a better word. What's it been like working on the Australian side of such large businesses? It's been fantastic. I mean, IBM is a wonderful company. I spent many years there and had a wonderful career and loved every minute and learned so much. Microsoft is a similar organization to the extent, you know, multinational and operations all around the world. But I grew up here in Australia. We worked overseas. My wife and I and the kids went overseas for a few years, but we always wanted the kids to be here to to grow up in Australia as well. And so first decision for us was always family. It was always about, you know, what was best for the family and what we felt would be good for the kids. So that then defined the second priority, which might then be career and work and so forth. But I love it. I think two wonderful multinationals that have such a profound impact on Australia and on business in Australia. But I have the privilege of being in a position to then convert that into or translate that into a very Australian context and flavor. And being able to lead Microsoft now and obviously have that potential to convert this wonderful platform that is Microsoft and make it really resonate for our customers here and our partners here in Australia, it really is a privilege. You sort of mentioned Australian context and flavor. So how different 
because I mean I've only seen sort of videos of the AGMs in the states, right. and it's it's almost like a Tony Robbins um, energetic. Like it's amazing. Wonderful. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I'd assume you, you're sort of at, at them. What's that experience like? Uh, look, I think those uh, kickoff events and sales events are very much about energy and creating a uniformity of understanding of what we're trying to do. So, yeah. but there's no question there's a cultural element there in terms of an American way of approaching that type of event and those yeah. um, those sessions which is awesome because that gives everyone, whether you're in Australia, you're in Chile, you're in Africa, you're in Eastern Europe, whatever part of the company, you get a clear understanding of what it is you know, we're trying to achieve. Yeah. And for our customers, especially those who are multinational themselves, they know that they can engage with us and have a similar experience, right, wherever that might be. But, of course, you know, working here in Australia, as it would be in any country, you want to localise it. And mm. if we truly believe in this idea of serving our customers, one size clearly doesn't fit all. And so that's my job. My team's job is to take all of that wonderful input yeah. and then convert it into a you know a message and a way of delivery that resonates for our customers here. Standing up on stage and flapping our arms around sometimes doesn't work so yeah. well with an Australian audience. Yeah. Sometimes it does, but, but many <laughs> times it doesn't. So, yeah. You know, there are lots of ways in which we then get to localise the message to make sure that we do the very best we can for yeah. our customers and partners here. And I guess in localising it, are you sort of talking at the Australia level, I was sort of talking conceptually, but is it at the Australia level or do you see sort of distinct differences in how you engage in Melbourne versus Sydney? Oh, or, um, there are some differences like- around the country in terms of the state presence and profile, different composition of our customer base in terms of government or private sector, small yep. or large particular industry verticals so mining might dominate in some areas and banks and and legal firms and others might dominate in others but no i think australia is a pretty similar experience if you like across all of our states around the countryside and as i say we try to do our very best to localize the microsoft value proposition to get the very best outcome we can for our customers and partners great and and if there's someone sort of watching or listening in and they're sort of listening to your career and they're interested in getting involved or you know following a similar path around having experiences or work experience in a large global business mm. is it something you'd recommend and what sort of advice would you have for that individual i think i mean it's a great path and i've enjoyed every moment of it as i said i've been very fortunate but there are many, many paths, of course. So yeah. I'd highly recommend this path, but I'd also acknowledge there are many, many ways for people, anyone, to fulfill whatever career ambition they have. Perhaps the most important thing, of course, is to work out what that ambition is. And fair to say, in my career, I wasn't always clear exactly where I was headed, but I had some broad goals and broad objectives that I was hoping to achieve and followed the opportunities that came along as a result. Ended up staying in IBM much longer than I had ever intended. Um, You know, that's why one of the reasons it's such a great organization and, in fact, why large multinationals, broadly speaking, are great to work for because – so many things mm. you can do inside those organizations, right? Yeah. You might stay with the same company, but you've performed, you know, many, many roles during that time. So as I said earlier, one of my career objectives was to be a generalist, right? I never saw myself as a salesperson or a delivery person or a particular category. Yeah. I always aspired to be a general manager or a managing director where I could have a broad set of skills. And that then led me to take on a whole set of different challenges because that's the way to build a broad set of skills. Yep. So how do you sort of go about approaching, you know, becoming a generalist? Like, or, yep. or um, what sort of things are you doing to build that more general experience? If you're, you know, for someone that's listening in that may not be at that yeah, GM sure. level, or sure. um, yeah, what sort of yeah? Well, I think, you I think if you aspire for argument's sake to be a managing director, right? And so, one of the things if you look at the CVs of most managing directors is you'll see that they've worked in different functions of either that organisation or other organisations. 
So it's not always true, of course, yep. but you'll see broadly there's a pattern that, that you know, they might have operations experience or marketing experience, sales experience. They'll have more than one set of experiences because yep. by definition you're going to be you know, faced with a set of broad challenges. And so I think that's part of it. I was also very fortunate to get some great mentoring and coaching along the way because uh, like most careers, I sort of made it up as I went. There's no, no lighted pathway and there's no – clear answer every single time you know a fork in the road comes up and i went on and was really fortunate to have some wonderful people around me to help guide me to take particular decisions that in, in some cases i wasn't going to take and you know i got some advice um we were chatting earlier about david Thody. he was uh, one of my old bosses yep. back at ibm i remember distinctly uh, him offering me an opportunity to go and run the financing business for ibm this is yep. this is uh, a lifetime ago and I, I remember sitting in the office with him saying, David, are you out of your mind? <laughs> I, I'm running this part of the business. What do I know about financing? Why yep. would, and why would I want to do that? And I think David clearly saw saw more than I did. But, you know, he understood I wanted to be a generalist. I wanted to build a broad set of skills and saw it as a great development opportunity long before I ever thought of it. And so, you know, I think you've got to have a broad plan as to where you're going, but I think no one gets anywhere with many people helping them along the way. And I've certainly been the beneficiary of lots of people helping me. And just you mentioned sort of coaching and mentoring. Yeah. In our experience at The Mentalist, we've found, you know, using the word interchangeably, in America there seems to be a much more of a general acceptance that if you want to do something, yeah. that coaching is a legitimate path to do that. We've found sort of in the Australian market that coaching – is somewhat following the personal training industry where seven years ago having a personal trainer was considered very strange and yep. you must be at a desperate level. <laughs> um, I guess, you know, in having American-influenced businesses, do you think that's played out in, in your experience? Well, to the extent there's a difference between coaching and mentoring or? Well, sort of, or oh, maybe more a question should be the, the benefit of mentoring and coaching for you specifically. Mm. And I guess... It sounds like the David was sort of almost by by luck or by accident that mentoring engagement has started. But did you sort of actively seek out a professional coach no, no, or uh, no. you know, mentors? No, I mean, no, I didn't. I think it was all very organic and, you know, without getting into definitions in terms of difference between coaching and mentoring, I use yep. the words interchangeably in many cases. But I think it's instrumental, that is, that you have someone who has a vested interest in you. And that's not easy to find, actually, right, to find people who genuinely will give themselves over to a, a thought process about what is the best interest of this individual. Because you often have, you know, competing or overlapping interests, right? It could be your boss, for argument's sake. Yeah. In the case with David, I mentioned he, he was my boss at the time. So there was a bit of, you know, direct coaching about, you know, you really need to think about this. But... If you can find someone who's dispassionate, that is, they're not directly interested in the outcomes, there's no personal interest for them, yeah. but they have an interest in you, then that's a great place to find yourself because generally you can get great answers from those conversations. I will say that. I mean, I think in a lot of cases you find the answers are within and coaching isn't about, yeah. you know, helping you to see something that you couldn't see yourself. It's more just helping you to ask the questions that will lead you to that answer. And I think, you know, finding someone who knows enough about you to be dangerous but isn't involved in the day-to-day -day of what you do, I think it's an amazing asset. And perhaps the most important thing as you think about development, growth and achieving your ambitions because, as I said earlier, no one achieves anything without the help of many others. Yeah. 
No, I certainly resonate with your, your comment there about the answers. To, you know, generally within you, it's one of my coach's favourite questions is what do you think of course. is the answer? And it's like, I already know the answer. I've just been putting it off. <laughs> so, there you go. <laughs> fantastic. I guess we're sort of moving into the theme of habits. Is there any habits that have served you well or that you wish you had or you, that you do have that you can share? Uh, yeah, very much so. I think I've always had a deep focus on or a, or a belief in this idea of well-being. So to be your best professionally or personally or any aspect of your life, then there are some very obvious component pieces. One of them is being physically healthy. Right? Right. And so habits around what you eat, how you exercise, how much sleep you get, which is perhaps the most important thing of all, recovery, right, balancing your time. Those are habits that I have developed over many years. Don't always stick to them, I have to admit. So I don't always get out and exercise at the, the rate and pace that I think I should or don't always eat the right things. But having habits there I think is important because it's really hard to be at your best if you're not physically at your best. Well-being, of course, also extends to your mental health. So as important and maybe maybe more important than physical health is your mental health and being deliberate about how you manage your mental health and how you think about balancing your time and you know, one of my habits is related to this concept of mindfulness which I'm sure you've come across over the last many years. It's been a topic of great discussion in yep. you know, corporate world. Indeed, it's been a topic of conversation everywhere but being deliberate about where you direct your attention managing how you think which sounds sort of a bit odd when you say it out loud but yeah this is the most powerful computer that any of us will ever have control over how do you choose to direct it the reality is most people walk around unconsciously don't know how yeah. they're directing their thoughts and are subject to those thoughts yeah so being deliberate about and disciplined about how you manage your mental health i think is also a habit that i've I'm a poor practitioner, but I'm very focused on it because I think it's yep. a really important part of being effective and being at your best. And so what sort of things are you doing to, you know, you're obviously very consciously aware, what are the actual things that you're doing? Is it meditation? Mm -hmm. Like you mentioned that you're practicing, but, mm -hmm. you know, what, what do you do as sure. a CEO? Yeah, I think there's three sort of areas that stand out for me. One is a deep connection for me between physical exertion and mental equilibrium. Yeah. So... A part of the reason I exercise uh, is because it's you feel better yeah. physically. But I also find when I'm running or swimming or paddling that some of my best ideas that I have, <laughs> uh, they generally seem to come up at that time. And there's a scientific explanation for that because you generally your mind is at rest and your creativity and your ability to join dots and to see things, connections yeah. that you might not have seen earlier is enhanced. And so, and you'll hear many people say that, oh, I was out running or I did this and I, a great idea came to me. It's science, right? There's science that will explain to us all why that might be the case. So there's that connection. I have done a lot of reading around neurology and the chemical reactions that are going on inside our heads and our, and our bodies. And it sort of relates to that last thought. But yeah. understanding more of that has also been really helpful. And I generally will look for a book or two to continue that learning on a regular basis. Yeah. And then there's also, I think, the third element, there's a spiritual side to this. You know, for everyone, we'll have a different point of view on this, of course, but I think there's also a spiritual side to you know, what are we here for, what's our purpose, yeah. and actually spending time thinking about that regularly has been also very valuable for me because in examining that in detail and sort of connecting myself regularly with what it is that I think my purpose is has also helped me to be more present, I think, in my professional life. Most importantly, it's helped me to be more present in my personal life. And, you know, I aspire to be the best version of myself. These are the sorts of things that I've done and continue to do because I think they help. 
Fantastic. No, thank you for sharing. I sort of, you know, summarise when you're talking about going through different roles. IBM maybe earlier in your career, you sort of mentioned that you, know, you probably didn't have that end goal in mind. No. And now with all these habits and practices that you've implemented, plus the many years of career progression, how do you sort of feel now you know, looking forward as the CEO of Microsoft, what is the next step? I mean, you're, yeah, it'd be interesting to, to hear. There's lots of next steps, but maybe just a quick step back. I think early in my career, I had a clear view of where I wanted to be. I want to be a general manager or a managing director in future. But I think I was too focused on the end goal rather than the process by which I might get there. Right. So I you know, started off, I want to have this experience, this experience, this experience, so I can get to this destination and maybe it's the passage of time maybe it's getting a little older i don't know but you sort of realize that actually the goal is the process yeah right and they're interchangeable so yeah it's the learning that you might have on the way that becomes the most fulfilling part of it so as i've evolved and continue to evolve and learn it's been great to achieve different things in my career but there's always much more to do because the What's also happened along the way is that I've been more deeply connected with what my personal purpose is. And not surprisingly, it's not defined by the title of a company that I work for or yeah. by a company at all. It transcends that. And, and I think for most people, when you actually sit down and ask them what really floats your boat, what are you really passionate about, it's not generally going to be you know XYZ job at XYZ company, right? Yeah. It's something usually that has much more meaning and is much more personal by its nature. Yeah. And as a result, that becomes more compelling in terms of the future vision that you aspire to achieve. And it is a very personal thing that you you can hold. Is that something you'd be willing to share? Of course. I'd I'd share it with my family and my team. (laughs) I don't know whether to ask. No, not at all. I mean, earlier this year, in fact, it was a few months ago, we had a kickoff and I had a 1,000 people from the Microsoft team here together. And I shared my personal philosophy. And it's it's, uh, three words. So love, loyalty, and others. And everyone has a different way of expressing what their personal philosophy might be. It could be a phrase. It could be a could be could be a letter, right? It could be like mine's just those three words because it connects me yep. with what is important to me. Love, in perhaps the most obvious uh, sense of my family, my friends, and the people that matter the most to me. Yep. Expressing that on a regular basis doesn't happen often. I guess as an Aussie bloke that you go around telling people that, but you sort of think, well, if I wasn't here, uh, what would I want the people who are closest Mm -hmm. to me to know? I'd like them to know that I love them deeply. And so without being too soppy, I share that appropriate times. Now it's on this podcast date everyone's going to have. So (laughs) loyalty, again, pretty self-evident, but it's about being fiercely loyal to the people who uh, matter to me, being around for my mates, my family, the people, again, who matter the most, and also acknowledging their contribution to my well-being and my success. Connection with the people that matter the most is perhaps the most human of all requirements. Yep. And so that's a very clear part of my philosophy. And then others, and this is perhaps the one that's evolved the most over my career and as I've got older, is about then acknowledging how privileged and lucky I have been. Just just a simple act of gratitude to say yep. I couldn't possibly be here today and I wouldn't be doing the things I'm doing without so many other people. Also fair to say in a country like Australia that we are privileged to be here and yet there are so many parts of our society where in such a privileged country where economically we've done so well and yet you don't have to look too far to see many members of our community who who aren't 
doing as well and who aren't as privileged and don't have those opportunities. So yeah. and that's been one of the greatest joys in the last few years for me at Microsoft is using this platform to direct towards parts of the Australian community to make it, it might be a small contribution, but to bloody well make a contribution to help address some of those challenges and opportunities, whether that's been in relation to um, our Indigenous communities and how Indigenous Australians still suffer very poorly in terms of comparison with Australian statistics more broadly. You know, the one in five people in Australia that have some form of short-term or, or long-term disability and how technology can help them to more yep. directly engage in the digital world that we increasingly find ourselves in. Finding new ways to get people into the industry, new job opportunities, you know, traineeship programs and other things that we can do that can give people a leg up so they can get a job and get their, you know, economic life going. These are the things that I feel really passionate about because they use the Microsoft platform in an effective way, but they also help very directly align to my personal philosophy, which is uh, you know, how I can make a contribution to others. Yeah, no, I mean, Microsoft is, what is it, the Bill and Melinda Foundation? Well, there's a separate organization that Bill and Melinda set up, obviously, to yeah, fulfill yeah. their own personal purpose and mission. It's so. great that your personal purpose is sort of replicated or consistent within the business that you're yeah i think i'm very lucky full stop but i also think this is a really important point about anyone thinking about how they may become the best version of themselves at least in a professional context is aligning your personal purpose and and what it is you really feel strongly about with what you're doing to the extent you can it doesn't happen everywhere and maybe in some jobs and some companies it doesn't make sense at all but I would observe that the people who are the most impactful from a professional point of view that yep. I engage with, and I'll make this a personal statement as well, are those whose thoughts and the things they say, the things they think, and the things they do are aligned. And you generally don't find that unless you're involved in something that really does resonate with who you are as a person. And you know, maybe in a way, offering any sort of reflection as I look back, it was the moments or the periods where that was really in alignment for me that I was performing really well. Right. Because there were many times where I wasn't. And, and as I look back, it was probably during yep. periods where I wasn't in alignment. And so I think that's been a, a learning as well. It's a deep and meaningful nice. conversation. No, no, this is so, great. <laughs> can I get to turn oh. the uh, tables on you at any stage and put the spotlight on you and ask you <laughs> no, about you your personal thoughts? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, well, I was just, uh, yeah, I could have uh, just sat here for hours. <laughs> Thank you so much. No, so it's, it's really great, you know, having – Senior Australian business leader just sharing things that are so personal and, yeah, I didn't know whether to ask, so thanks for saying it's okay that's to right. ask. It sounds like you've shared it with a 1,000. Um, yeah, just a 1,000 of my closest friends. So I feel <laughs> like oh, you heard that last time. I know that already. <laughs> so that's good. We're sort of coming to the close of the interview. And just one further question. You mentioned a book before when you are talking to sort of some of the three things that you're actually doing to, to keep yeah. yourself in gratitude and sort of leveled. Is there a book that you recommend people can pick up and have a read that you've had a read? It's impossible to say one, so I'm going to say a couple if that's okay. There's a guy called Clayton Christensen who wrote a book called The Innovator's Dilemma many years ago. It's a very well-known book in business, but he gave a lecture in 2010, I'm going to say, so about 10 years ago to his class at Harvard, and it was intended to reflect on his lessons around being successful in life. Long story short, he wrote a book called How Will You Measure Measure Your Life? Um, by Clayton Christensen. I would highly recommend that book. I read it, I don't know, years ago, but it's, it sticks out in my memory as a great book to read. On the idea or the topic or thought around mindfulness and just some of the science that you might see there and then maybe a crossover into so that spiritual side as well, there's a great book written by an Australian called David Rock, uh, yep. Your Mind at Work, which talks to some of the you know, neurology and the science related to how our brains operate. We'd recommend that thoroughly. 
Buddha in Blue Jeans is another great book that I always go back to from time to time. It yes. sort of combines a reflection on Buddhism but also puts it into a sort of a current context so it doesn't feel like it's weird. Yep. So um, that's always been a book that I've, I've enjoyed going back to as well. But there's so many great books, so I could go on forever. So it sounds like you're an avid reader. And- I, I think it's important to feed your mind in a way, right? So, yeah, because I read so much work-related material, yes. I love to balance that. And so one of my favorite things on a holiday in particular is when you can get some dedicated time just to get into a book and get keep with it. But, yeah, I think reading is it's like eating. If you want to feed your body healthy food so you can be the strongest and healthiest person you can be, it's the same for your mind. You've got to feed it material that can enhance it and nourish it and help you direct it in ways that are hopefully positive, right? Because the things you can reflect on and learn from books can often help you to think about things differently. Fantastic. I want to say thank you very much for your time today. I'm I can't believe like, we're finishing without me asking you about your personal philosophy. So can, <laughs> I'm going to ask you. Are you going to answer? I, got to I can answer, yeah. Okay, what's your personal philosophy? Do you feel comfortable with me asking that question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, very good. I don't think I've had as much time to think properly through okay. how to elaborate. Okay. But, um, Do you have a personal philosophy, I guess, would be the first question. If you don't, it's cool. It's just... Yeah, no, so I think... Do I have one? No, maybe you can help me uh, <laughs> to identify. Well, but, <laughs> what are you most passionate about? What I'm most passionate about is helping others through, I guess, lived experience. So if I've experienced something, I'll help others, whether it's through connecting them with others that have had that experience. Yeah, so I guess that the core concept is about connecting people. Mm. It sort of comes back to this podcast. What what the hell are you doing, Dave? Why are you going around and interviewing people? It's like, well, because I really enjoy it. No, but I really enjoy it because it connects to my philosophy so I don't see it as work. I see mm. it as you know a pleasure, and to be able to sit here and talk with you is an absolute pleasure. But it's a pleasure I can share with yes. others and others who are looking and aspiring to be a CEO or work in the tech space. Right. They can listen in, and so that's what sort of lights me up. Mm. Uh, yeah, and, and I need to get that in three key words. Well. <laughs> and, and evidently so, right? The way you spend your time and the priority and focus you've given on the areas of your business over the last few years, and to see you. That's the first thing that came to your mind, which typically tells you what it is that you do feel passionate about. That's usually what's right there. It's great that you're so connected to it and you're living, you're right there living in alignment with it. So good on you. No, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Yeah, I know uh, you need to get back to running a huge global business. (laughs) I need to uh, get into the editing studio and turn this around. But thank you again for coming uh, down from Sydney today and, yeah, Glad the sun's come out and uh, thanks again. My pleasure. Good to meet you, Dave. Good on you. Thank you for joining us today at The Mentor List. If you'd like to hear more or speak to us about recommending our next interview guest, come on through to mentorlist.com.au. You can also find out more about our suite of mastermind series taking shape in your area, your industry and your discipline. We look forward to welcoming you to one of our events very soon. Stay tuned for another great show. for listening to The Mental List. If you like what you're hearing on The Mental List, the best way to support the show is to just take a few seconds to leave a rating and or comment over on iTunes. You can also find further information about this show and links to further episodes at mentorlist.com.au. Until next time, this is The Mental List.